This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Whenever a society embraces godless ways, the result will always be anarchy, which means people taking the law into their own hands. God warns us not to follow a lifestyle of everyone doing whatever is right in his own eyes, as reflected in Deuteronomy 12:8. Hundreds of years ago, God told Moses to warn the people to be careful to obey all these words that I command you, that it may go well with you and with your children after you forever. That's Deuteronomy 12:28. This means that if we reject the ways of God, we will reap devastating consequences. James Dobson, founder of Focus on the Family, recently stated that the Christian church ranks near the bottom in terms of impact or influence on our society, that is, compared with other institutions. He said, the number one priority for Americans is money. Marriage is held in low regard. Infidelity is frequently seen as no big deal. Monogamy is considered old-fashioned. Many no longer believe in absolute truth, which would include the Bible and its teachings. A recent Gallup poll showed that less than one-half of the Americans belong to a religious group. That percentage fell from, from 70% in 1999 to 47% in 2020, from 70% to 47%. And this includes some who once called themselves Christian. Well, hearing things like these causes my mind to go back to the words of another person, a man of God who stood one day and poured out his heart, pleading with those who listened, as he said, save yourselves from this crooked generation. This man was the Apostle Peter, as he spoke to the thousands who were assembled at Pentecost in Jerusalem. The King James Version of that uh, particular verse says, save yourselves from this untoward generation. That word actually means crooked, perverse, twisted, perverted. Those words are just as important for our day as they were for people to whom Peter spoke. We're now living in a crooked generation. We've lost our sense of values, true values. We have twisted God's absolute truth as revealed in the Bible to the point that very little seems to be sacred anymore. Some people tell us nothing is really wrong if you look at it the right way. Well, yes, there is no doubt that these words of Scripture are as fresh and timely today as they were back then. Just as fresh as the morning newscast, actually. Now, before I continue, let me give a brief but important word of preface to what I shall say this morning on this anniversary of our nation's independence. It will do us very little good to combine our thoughts around a subject with which we are all in agreement. I will have failed in my purpose this morning, 
and you will have wasted your time listening to me if at the close of this message you clasp your hands and nod your head in agreement saying, boy, he really did let us have it today. And it stops right there. The purpose of this message is not just to say something you want to hear or like to listen to. Unless we begin to see some changes taking place in our lives, then I fear that more and more we will be committing the sin of sermon listening only. I want to give some reasons this morning for my thinking that our present day fits the scripture, which is our text for today. What are some of the signs which point to the crookedness of our generation? First thing I want to mention is what I call liberal theology. Now, if you had told me several years ago that I'd be preaching today against liberal theology, I would have thought you to be wrong. It is not that I have ever considered myself to be classed as a liberal in theological outlook, but I am one who generally dislikes the labeling of people. But the longer I live and the more I observe in those who claim to be God's people, the more disturbed I become. I've come to the point where I believe that one of the greatest dangers we face today is from the gradual encroachment of what I call liberal ideas in our churches. Since the word liberal means so many different things to different people, let me make it absolutely plain that I am not an advocate for a heresy hunt for liberal teachers in colleges or seminaries. Surely there are those who teach some things with which I could never agree. But I still believe that we have a number of excellent schools of higher learning where God's Word is honored and taught. Let me try to define what I mean when I speak of liberal theology. By this I refer to those who deny the basic truths of Scripture, those fundamental beliefs of our faith, all denominations, fundamentals that we hold dear. In these days of toleration of the beliefs of others, we must be aware lest we fail to hold to any beliefs whatsoever. A classic example of liberal theology is one who says that it doesn't really matter what you believe, just so long as you're sincere. Well, go with me to a chemistry laboratory and hold that same position there. You look at three different bottles, all containing a clear, colorless liquid. On the front of one bottle, it says H2O, or that's water. Another bottle is labeled HCl, or that's hydrochloric acid. And a third bottle bears the label H2SO4, that's sulfuric acid. Now, to the untrained eye, they, these bottles may all seem alike. But if you mistake the water for the sulfuric acid and you drink some, thinking all the time that you're very sincere in your belief that it is water, then how much less dead will you be than a person who may have intentionally drunk that powerful acid? You may be sincerely wrong, and the one who intentionally drank it would be sincerely right but both of you would be sincerely dead. Some person has come up with these little lines. 
Poor little Willie has gone from us. His face we'll see no more. For what he thought was H2O was H2SO4. My friends, don't you allow anyone to mislead you into thinking that it really doesn't matter what you believe. The Bible tells us that it matters a great deal. Our humanistic society with all its socialistic tendencies is going a long way to twist God's truth. And the results we're seeing show that we are truly living in a crooked generation. Look with me at another indication of the fulfillment of this scripture, our text for today. I don't know what to call this other than immorality. Now, when we hear the term immorality, we usually think of sexual immorality, don't we? Yes, that is one kind. What? But since you're already thinking about this, well, let's just go ahead and start here. Billy Graham spelled out some of the instances of sexual immorality in one of his sermons. He told about the story of sex parties where married couples exchanged wives and husbands for an evening. He talked about the account of certain high school in one city which boasts of having a non-virgin club. No one who's a virgin can be a member of that club. And Billy Graham also told the story from California where a group of teenagers formed a gang and forced women to submit to their perversions. So has it come to this? Those reports are not of events that happened just last year. Actually, those quotations I just gave you were taken from a sermon which Billy Graham preached in the year 1954, over 65 years ago. And you and I both know that our nation's immorality has not been reduced in the past 65 years. Back when Billy Graham preached on those things, there's, these seem to be like extreme examples. But today, many of these things that I mentioned are commonplace, everyday events. And it's not all out in California, New York, or some other big city where things occur either. You talk with law enforcement people, school officials, or any knowledgeable pastor, and you'll hear things that'll make your hair stand on end. I have said that sexual immorality is only one kind of immorality. Time does not permit me this morning to dwell on all the many other kinds. What about cheating in schools? Uh, deceit in tax matters? Stealing? Lying? Oh, so prevalent today. Sometimes lying is glorified as a virtue when one says, I'm not going to rat on my friend. Look at the vast drug scene, which of course includes the most popular drug of our day and the most socially accepted. That's beverage alcohol. Look at the legalization of recreational marijuana in many states, and it's growing state by state. On and on and on we could go. A recent article sent to me by one of my cousins illustrates some of the ways in which our generation is crooked. We see other countries going socialist and collapsing, but it seems like a great deal to us. Somehow it's un-American for a census to count how many Americans there are in America. <clears throat> some people are held responsible for things that happened before they were born, and other people are not held responsible for what they're doing right now. 
People who have never owned slaves should pay money to people who have never been slaves. After legislating disapproval of God's made, God made sexual identity, if someone wants to pretend now to be a woman or a man opposite from what God created them, now you're required to pretend with him or her or it or they. If your Christian beliefs show that you disagree with some of what I've been listing above, you'd be called a racist or some other title ridiculing you for what you believe. And yet the cry today is for inclusion, tolerance, free speech, acceptance. I suppose this means unless you are a Christian, then you need to keep your mouth shut. You see, we're clearly living in an upside down world where right is wrong and wrong is right, where moral is immoral, where immoral is good, moral, where good is evil and evil is good, where killing murderers is wrong, but killing innocent babies is right. Peter said to the people at Pentecost, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Now he was not telling them to be weaklings, to turn and run, or to give in to the pressures all around them. Instead, Peter was challenging them to do something which demanded the best that was in them, forsake self and turn to Jesus. This crooked generation and its ways are enticing to so many people today. Oh yes, at first it seems to be a lot of fun, but it does not end that way. Sin begins with a thrill, but it ends in misery. It will sell you a ticket but it won't let you in. Now, positively, what does satisfy? Only Jesus and his way can bring real happiness. This is where the gospel comes in. By the way, what does gospel mean? You know, it means good news. Well, if someone comes rushing up to you and says, hey, I've got some gospel, some good news for you. You might say, well, fine, tell me what it is. And suppose this person then looks you straight in the eye and says, you ought to brush your teeth. <laughs> no, that would not be good news. Might be good advice. Any dentist will tell you that's good advice, but that's not good news. There's a difference between the two. The gospel is not just the fact that Jesus lived, died, and was buried and rose from the dead. That is not good news to a lot of people. But the good news is that in all these events, God has done something for you and me that we cannot do for ourselves. When we are left alone to ourselves, we always end up in perversion and twistedness and crookedness. We cannot help ourselves. We are in such a condition that we need outside help. And the good news is that help is here. In Jesus Christ, God has done something for us that we could never do for ourselves. It's not just the fact that there was a man who lived who was named Jesus and that he went about doing good, but it is the fact that I am helpless and hopeless and Jesus comes to me to say that he will lift me up and help me. He will rescue me and he will save me from myself. Now that is good news. This is really the only answer to the problems 
of this crooked generation. We don't solve problems by saying, oh, you shouldn't do all those bad things. Oh, no. The answer is by offering something better. Suppose somebody should offer you a plate full of breadcrumbs just after you have polished off a nice, thick, juicy prime rib cooked just the way you like it. Well, you would say to that person, no, thank you. I don't want the breadcrumbs. I'm already satisfied. This way is the way it is with life in Christ. He will so satisfy us that we will not care for the sinful things of this world. Even though our beloved nation may be drifting further and further away from the Bible, we can stand on the certainty of his promises and keep on believing his truth. Jesus stands right now pleading with everyone who will come to him so that he can save you from this corrupt, crooked generation. If you have not done so, you may come to him, receive Jesus fully into your heart and life, accept his free gift to you, and let him cleanse you, forgive you from anything in the past, whatever it is, and he'll give you a new beginning. And when this happens, it'll be a joy, not a drudgery. Let me close with one more promise from God as we read it in 1 John 2, 17. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. Will you pray with me? Oh God, help us to hear, not just with our ears, but with our heart, the good news of Jesus Christ and to know that's what really does satisfy the yearning, the longing of our heart, even in the midst of a crooked, a crooked, perverse, rotten society. May we look to Jesus as the only way out, because that's exactly what he is. And this we pray in his saving name. Amen.